Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. And if you want to open to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we'll continue in our series on the gifts of the Spirit entitled Do Not Quench the Spirit. And we're actually in the power gifts. Everybody likes the power gifts. Uh, we're in the power gifts is what we're talking about. And uh, we're, we started, uh, we broke into just briefly uh, last week the uh, gifts of healings is where we, we broke into last week. And so I'm um, just going to go over just a kind of a brief review here and then we'll get into the gifts of healings and possibly get into the revelation gifts where we're getting toward the end of this. But what, this has kind of been the series uh, focus. The scriptures tell us in 1 Corinthians 12 concerning spiritual gifts that the, the Spirit of God said through the Apostle Paul, I do not want you to be ignorant. He didn't want us to be ignorant or unaware. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 through 21, we are told, do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast to what is good. From these passages, passages of Scripture, we can readily see that the Lord does not want us to be in the dark when it comes to the ministry of the Holy Spirit in his church today. Jesus told us in the book of John chapter 14, verses 16 through 18, that he would be leaving, but that he would send us another helper, the Holy Spirit. Many in the church today do not understand or have limited understanding of the operation of the Holy Spirit. In this series, we're going to discover from the scriptures, and we have been, the importance of a Holy Spirit-filled church. A church that has knowledge of the gifts of the Spirit. A church that lives in intimate fellowship with the Holy Spirit and senses his promptings ministering to the church and the world around them. As we come together, let's desire, discover, develop in these giftings of the Holy Spirit. We've said this, uh, that I've I've requested that you take time to read 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 uh, over and over again. Wait on the Lord in prayer and meditation over these verses. As we will see, the prophet of the church, and we have seen this, depends on whether we do this or not. How many know that the gifts of the Spirit were given for the profit of all? The gifts of the Spirit were given for the profit of all. Not for the glorification of one person. Now, you'd have to go back and listen to, this is message 18 or 19. What are we on? I don't know, something. 18. So you'd have to go back and listen. But we began by talking about the importance of each individual in the body of Christ. You know, uh, there, are, there are two distinct areas of pride that the church and humanity in general falls into. One is, I'm a nobody. And one is, I'm the most amazing thing since sliced bread. <laughs> okay. So there's two sides, right? And both are wrong. Both are pride. You know, uh, I was listening to a, a teaching recently, and uh, this gentleman was talking about uh, leadership and, and uh, you know, people, there are people that are in leadership that, are, that are, think they're so smart. They're the smartest thing they've ever that's ever existed, or they're God's gift to God. 
You know what I mean? They're God's gift to the planet, but they're God's, they think they're God's gift. To, you know what I mean? They think they're amazing. And he was talking about the difference between IQ and EQ. So your IQ may, IQ may be super high, but if your emotional quotient is low, we got problems. That's where you think, or somebody could think, we'll just put it on somebody, that's easier. You're the greatest thing since sliced bread. The other side of it is, is you could be super smart, but your EQ could be low, and you could think, why should I even say anything? I'm, I don't, you know, I, I, have you ever met somebody that just doesn't see their value? You know, and so we have to stay in the middle of the road, and it's important uh, that we understand that. And so in the series, that's what we talked about, the importance. The finger needs the thumb. The hand needs the foot. The eye needs the ear. The ear needs the eye. Come on. Every part is necessary. So here's the thing about God, if, or here's the thing about the church. If they don't see their value the way God has valued them, their faith will not function. Therefore, their supply gets constricted or hindered. Okay? So... This is the interesting thing about it, because you wouldn't think that this would work this way, but it actually works this way. If, you're, if you see your value as, as uh, uh, outside of the realm of God, and you break into what we call pride, what we know the devil stepped into, you, you start to step over where God placed you and the boundaries that he's given you, not only in your individual relationship with him, in other words, what he said about you individually, but then also how you function in position in the body, you actually constrict your ability to flow and be a supply, not only to people to flow through you, but your ability to be a blessing and a flow to somebody else. Now, this is something that doesn't just necessarily come easily. How many have noticed you got problems? And I ain't talking about your boss or your wife or your siblings or the way you were raised or any of that stuff the world wants to make and not take responsibility for. I'm talking about just on the inside of you. There is, there's a reality within us, and what I mean by within, I mean within the soul realm, not the spirit realm. Your spirit is Holy Ghost, but your mind needs Jesus bad. Come on, how many testify? My, I mean, my mind needs Jesus so bad. I found that when I, every morning I wake up, I don't just wake up in a glory cloud. I wish. <laughs> you know, have you ever woken up in the morning and it's like there's five problems looking at you? And they're going, is he awake yet? Let's just wait a little longer. <laughs> but there's hope. We actually have been empowered by the Spirit of the living God to walk 
like Jesus did. You say, what do you mean by that? That means Jesus was so good at keeping his mind where it needed to be and his focus that he heard from the Father constantly even though chaos was going on around him. Now you have to believe this in order for it to work. You, we will not develop we won't develop like we should. Some of, you, some of you thought I just said you could become, you were, you were, you're going to be the son of God. I did not say that. I did not say that at all. But Paul made this statement. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. I'm talking about you, not the famous preacher, can walk in fellowship with God by the spirit of the resurrection within you and fellowship with the Godhead just like Jesus demonstrated to us or any preacher you think you know or person you think you know has an intimate relationship with the Lord. You have the same ability within you to live the same way. No, no, you didn't hear me. I'm not talking about... The person that you admire, that you see their snippets on uh, Facebook of their messages. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about you individually as a born-again child of God have the same access to the throne of God that Jesus does. And so since that's the case... We should be, as a church, effective in flowing between body parts, supply, right? This shouldn't be, the, the body of Christ, if your idea about church is just this, then you've missed it. This is a portion. If your idea about church is, I'm the church, then you got it. You're a portion of the church. That means when you go to your job and there's, you hear about somebody's need for prayer, you don't call me to pray for them. You go pray for them. Now, we can agree with you, and of course we will. But the goal here is to continually develop spiritually to the point where really the only time you ever ask somebody to come into agreement with you is if the Lord really prompts you to do it. Or what I mean by that is you don't have to send in prayer requests every week to the, to the international prayer chains. You know, I've heard people say uh, through the years, you know, if we get enough people praying... You have no scripture to validate a number will move God in prayer. None. You can have one million people praying in unbelief. And it'll be like no one's praying. We do, we emotionally attach things, don't we? If God was moved by emotion, the world would look different. He's moved by faith. 
Amen? And what I mean by that is it just opens the door for him to move in this realm. He's already moved because Jesus finished it. So it opens the door for grace to operate is what it does. So when you think about the gifts of the Spirit, when you think about the body of Christ, you, as, as a believer, we can't just come together and go, and we can't continue year after year remaining in a place of looking to everybody else to get us through. There is a requirement on the body of Christ to develop spiritually. There's actually a requirement on the body of Christ for mature believers to actually pray for themselves and then get so good at praying and fellowshipping with the Lord that you actually end up praying more for others than you do yourself. It would be like if I called Neil every time I needed my lawn mowed. And Neil's looking at me going, you can do it yourself. But I constantly... See, God asks us to develop spiritually. Now, in our church here, this is a year of multiplication. Because that's what the Lord said to us. And how many know the Lord's right? (laughs) People go, I sure don't feel like it. (laughs) You know, I just don't feel like I'm multiplying. (laughs) Well, if you're just going to remain in your feelings, you'll probably miss it. But part of what I've seen through the process of what he's dealt with me about and what I've seen uh, other, the other ministers that have come in and the other ministers that are in our group that minister consistently, it's been pretty common that the multiplication, part of it is developing spiritually. Individually growing up. Not allowing the same temper tantrums to remain that were there five years ago in your life. So, so to the point where we go, and you say, are you teaching on the gifts of the Spirit? Almost. I'm almost there. I'm almost, just hang with me. I'll get there. All right? But see, there's no sense in going into it if we're going to have a spiritual immaturity about trying to go in, trying to go with us. You know what I mean? It's what we've talked about before. You know, um... Uh, uh, spiritual development has, has these stages that we go through and they're a lot like physical development. And so when it comes to uh, uh, spiritual development, we shouldn't, we shouldn't say, I'm, I'm really patient unless. This person, this person at work They really push my. So what do you think the enemy is going to do? Talk to them about what he heard you say so that they'll push your buttons. When if you just take authority over the enemy, control your flesh, you actually can develop spiritually to where the person doesn't even bother you. 
Let me give you just one example in the ministry of Jesus and see if you can, if you open your mind to this, see if you can see what the Lord, kind of the picture that's being painted. Jesus is walking in a crowd. He has had Jairus come up to him and tell him that his, Jairus' daughter's about to die. Jesus said, all right, we'll go there. I'll, I'll, I'll pray for her. She'll be healed. In the midst of all this, there's a crowd pressing against him. Now, we read that and we think, okay, yeah, that's, there, was a big, there was a bunch of people. No, no, no. It's like, if you look at it in the Greek, it's like almost being crushed. So he's, how many have been to the Metra at a big event and tried to leave with everybody else? And then they, they, they cattle shoot you, right? Because the doorways, there's only so many to get into the stairway, right? If you're going that direction. And how many have walked and you're... How many went with little kids and you got to, you know, you're holding on to your kids and you're kind of dragging them through, but you can feel they're getting hooked on people, you know? That's what I'm talking about as far as the kind of the pressure that was around him. And in this pressure, there's a woman with an issue of blood. And she is, the scripture says, pushing through the crowd. And she touches what? The hem of his. And what does Jesus do? Urch! Come on. How many of us would urch? How many of us would even know the hem got touched? How, how did Jesus know that? There is chaos all around him. He's got the, a thought on... See, we don't, we don't read it the way we should. We don't... We just kind of read... But if you slow down and look at it, the Holy Ghost will go, this is what was going on. I'm not talking about he'll say it to the preacher. I'm talking about he'll tell you that in your own time. You'll hear from God yourself and what's going on is he's pressed on all sides he's going with Jairus he knows this person this girl is sick not just sick about to die and all these people are around him pressing him and he notices anointing went stops and see now we're in the gifts of healings stops and says who touched me and what's the first thing out of the disciples mouth what do you mean who touched you Jesus do you know what that's 90% of people 99% of people what what what, power where? Who touched me? What do you mean who touched you, Jesus? Hello, Jesus. Look around. If you just, Peter was probably like, if you let me pull out my sword, I'll clear this group out and we'll actually make some time. <laughs> That's not in there. That's just made up. All right. So, <laughs> but Jesus, 
recognizes what? The Lord. He recognizes the spirit realm over what's taking place in the natural. There's so many truths just inside the story. I mean, I'm seeing so many things. What about the woman with the issue of blood? She's in faith with all that chaos going on around her. What's our excuse? Jesus could have been like, oh, great, now i got to stop. i got to get to this girl. But he was never that way. He just was constantly steady, constantly hearing from the Lord, just steady, trusting the Lord. And in order for us to function in maturity as the body of Christ, because this is the goal. The goal is spiritual. See, the goal is reproduction. But reproduction only happens with healthy sheep. Right? So so reproduction happens out of healthy sheep. Healthy sheep are developed, mature sheep, right? And healthy sheep can help mother and father lambs. Without healthy sheep, you don't have more lambs coming. I mean, that's just common sense, right? So even in the church, God is not, so God is not, it's not a pressure that's on us. Like we have to try and, you know, like give ourselves growth spurts. It's a matter of fellowship and agreeing with what he's already said. And then the development is automatic. Do you ever see a tree that's healthy, a, a small tree, out? Do you, ever, do you ever go outside, water the tree, and hear grunting and snorting while the tree is trying to get bigger? What does the tree do? It's in the right environment, so it grows. So keeping yourself in fellowship with the Lord, not having too high of an opinion of yourself, not having too low of an opinion about yourself, but having God's opinion about you and agreeing with what he said, which includes not saying, I don't think I'm ever going to grow out of this. But see, and I know that sounds like, like maybe that shouldn't have to be said. But we say it. I've said things like that. Do you know why? Because I'm not looking and, f- and meditating on what God said about me. I'm looking at the situation going, how am I going to get myself past this? And you and I, in our own ability, don't have the capacity to do it. Remember we had to have a savior at the beginning? <laughs> I know what people think. Yeah, but we now we're going to heaven. It was more than that. I know. Sometimes people were raised in denominations. Think that the, the end, we just hang on down here and, and cry through and scrape through. And then hopefully we make it to heaven when we're done. You know, I've heard people say, if we're lucky. 
God doesn't need luck. He doesn't need luck. No, when we were born again, understanding the New Testament, we know spiritual development is a part of the package. Grace to get to heaven and grace to grow spiritually now. Empowerment to obey and to do. So say this with me. Say, this with me. say I have in Christ the power, the ability, the understanding to grow spiritually. Now say this with me. By this time next year, I will have grown greatly in the Lord. Now, you can continue to say that, but if you don't change your day-to-day, come on, I'm not supposed to be the same next year. I should be getting graduation certificates along the way. Development mark. Come on, you should be backing up against the wall in your house going, measure me, God. Measure me, measure me. Where am I at? Measure me. Come on, and, and, and the main mark on the wall is what? The measure of the stature of Christ. And the Lord will go, ooh, you grew an inch. You grew an inch, and he'll celebrate with you, and you'll have a party, right? And then he'll go, now let's work on this area. You want to grow another couple of inches, right? Yes, Lord, yes. And we develop, develop, develop. Come on, I, I'm, I know I'm not the only one in this boat. I, I don't want to be, I want to I look different next year. Now, I know I look different than I did 23 years ago. That's easy. I was, you know, a ghost 23 years ago. I know I look different. I mean, in, in not just naturally I'm talking about. You understand? But the more of Christ that is upon us, even though the outward man perisheth, you can actually house greater and greater levels of anointing and glory the older you get in the Lord. To where people will look at you and go, what do you have that I don't have? But you have to believe this happens by faith. And so, when it comes to spiritual and the gifts of the Spirit, just defining these things is not the end goal. Just so you have a working understanding in your mind is not the end goal. The end goal is, is that you're, as you're fellowshipping with the Lord through the week, through fellowship with His Word, through prayer and fellowship with Him, He's speaking to you and you're doing and following Him. In the world that you're in with your call and your purpose and your plan that he has for your life. And the first plan and the first purpose is what? Fellowship with him, right? That's the first. Everything else is secondary outside of that. I mean, he should be first in everything. We know that. But the reality is, is everything comes after that. So whatever it is that you do, for you, if you're retired or if you work a job, whatever it is, if you're in... High school, junior high, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Wherever you are naturally is not the key. The key is fellowshipping with him, and then the Lord will move in your life naturally wherever you're at. But it comes through fellowship with him. 
And what I've noticed about the Lord is if you really want to grow with him, you have to be able to hear what you don't want to hear. And all the church said amen. Okay? <laughs> because it's just, it's just the way it is. All right. The believers in the New Testament were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were so thoroughly enabled by the Spirit's power that anywhere they went, uh, the, anywhere they went, their ministry is marked by the supernatural. The apostles were not mere guardians of orthodoxy. I love that statement. They were ambassadors of Christ equipped with divine capabilities. Do you know you're equipped with divine capabilities? People say, oh, no, it's just for the apostles. No, Mark, the, the Great Commission doesn't say it's just for the apostles. It says it's for believers. These signs shall follow those who believe. They had a divine work to do, and they had divine power with which to do it. Thus, it must always be. The church's mission is much more than propagating a new philosophy or calling to a new morality. Those are all part of what we do. It is delivering men from the bondage of Satan. It is binding and loosing in the name of Jesus. Philosophizing and moralizing can be done with mere human capabilities. And such is not unimportant. But delivering from bondage and bringing to repentance and faith require an anointing of the Holy Spirit. Certainly God accepts and honors all human talent dedicated to his service. But he enhances that dedicated talent with the Spirit's glow, lifting it to a new level. God can and often does take natural capacities and transform them into spiritual operations. So we talked about the gifts of healings at the end of our teaching last week. And gifts of healings is a supernatural gift of God for the healing of disease without natural means. Matthew chapter 8, verse number 16, if you want to go there. Matthew chapter 8, verse number 16 says this. When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word. And he healed all who were sick, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Again, gifts of healings is a supernatural gift of God for the healing of disease without natural means from any source. Other translations of Matthew 8, 16 and 17, where we see these gifts of healing, say this. When it had grown late, they brought many who were under the power of demons to him. And with a word, by speech merely, he drove out, expelled the demons, and all who were in bad health, he cured. I like that. All who were in bad health, he cured. So we see here healing without any natural means being used in the process. This is the gifts of healings in operations. Many gifts of healings for many different diseases and sicknesses. Now, I want to read this to you out of the uh, complete biblical library New Testament commentary. It says this. Modern science views miracles as extraordinary, supernatural, or even impossible. Jesus, however, indicated that miracles are normal and natural in the kingdom of God. The test stresses that he healed all those who were brought to him. That's what the text stresses here. 
Here we have more scriptural evidence for the gifts of healings. Isaiah 53, verse 4. You know what Jesus was quoting, right? He was quoting Isaiah chapter 53. All right. Let's just go back there. Isaiah chapter 53. I'll prove it to you. This is what Matthew is declaring. There's been some bad translations of this verse, these verses through the years. Isaiah chapter 53. Uh, and I'll start in verse 3. It says, he is despised and rejected by men, men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Verse 4. Surely he has grown or borne our what? Griefs, right? And carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And and the end of verse 5, by his stripes we are healed. Now let me read this to you in the Amplified. Verse 4. Surely he has borne our griefs. That word means sicknesses, weaknesses, and distresses. And carried our pains and sor- or, or our sorrows of punishment. So in the Amplified, it even brings it out. But I want to bring out even more here. So this is Matthew quoting Isaiah 53. Do you know what the best commentary on the Bible is? The Bible. And what did he say in Matthew... What did Matthew say in 8, 16, and 17? He said that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet saying he took our what? Infirmities and bore our sicknesses. So we see here in Isaiah 53, 4, uh, in the original Hebrew, it speaks of physical grief and pain and reads literally. This is, the, this is Isaiah 54 in literal Hebrew. Truly he lifted up our sicknesses. In other words, if Nate has a sickness on him and Jesus is, he, Nate identifies with Christ as his Savior, that identification, when Nate says that, what happens is, what takes place is in the spirit God now sees the sickness that was on Nate lifted up off of him and put onto Jesus. Come on, keep your mind open. This including sicknesses includes diseases. And the Hebrew actually says he carried our pains. How many know that sickness is often associated with what? Pain. He picked them up and carried them off. Now, when did that happen? Let's pick a time. We could go before time. He was slain before the foundation of the world. But in Matthew 8, 17, when this is being recorded, Jesus is there healing people. Is he on the cross? Now, how can he do that? God doesn't play fair. He plays faith. 
Jesus, in demonstration of what he was, come on, gifts of healings, in demonstration of what he was going to do on the cross and what he was going to take prior to the cross, and in that process goes, hmm, cancer. Mm. I'm going to, yeah. Oh, you got diabetes? Okay. Take that up and... Come on, see it, faith people. Believe it in your heart. He went and picked up pain out of your body and put it on himself. Himself took. Took. Himself took depression. Come on. Okay, we can pound it for a while. I got lots of years ahead of me to teach this. <laughs> I need it anyway. He took it. He took. Now, people say, oh, no, preacher, preacher. No, 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 that doesn't. He, he took our sins. When was sickness introduced into the earth? <laughs> People say, well, if I'm sick, then I'm in sin. No, that's not what we're saying. We're just giving the proper birthplace to sickness. I love what F.F. F. Bosworth says. Sickness is the foul offspring of its father, Satan, and its mother, sin. Just like all you, all the people that are heavy on the morality side, which we should be heavy on morality... In the religious world, talk about lying, talk about stealing, talk about fornication, adultery, talk about uh, anger in the heart, unforgiveness, all of those things. It's the, sa it's the same source. The devil. He took, he lifted up off of, of, of us our sicknesses. including he carried our pains. Thus, Matthew recognized that, apply, that it applies, or this applies to physical sicknesses. In Isaiah 53, Isaiah 53 speaks of the suffering servant of the Lord, the innocent one, Jesus, who must suffer to bring peace. The Hebrew word for peace is shalom, and it means well-being, health for body, mind, soul, and spirit. So Jesus suffered for the guilty even though he was innocent, that those who are not innocent might be declared not guilty. I'll put it to you like this. His death certificate was your birth certificate. Come on. Born anew. Come on, we believe it from our past. Where we had, we, we used to, you know, I, I, used, I used to live this way. I used to live in these sins. You know what else we should say? I, I, I used to participate with sickness. Come on. 
fight for it. I know, this is, we, 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 we are going to plow. We're going to plow. Why? Because in order for the gifts of healings to operate through you and me, through the body, we have to believe that God wants the sick well. We have to believe that. We have to believe it. So he says this. He says, uh, it goes on to say this. The word took means to take. That's deep, isn't it? (laughs) To take on oneself. To take away. If Jesus takes it away. Don't let the devil give it. There are packages arriving via, not Amazon, on our doorstep every single day we wake up that we need to go return to sender, return to sender, return to, not at this address anymore. You got the wrong address. They don't live here anymore. People say, oh, no, no, I know you, Sean. I know what you did. I know how you used to. I know who you were. I know what you, you, you were addicted to this. You were, you used to do this. I know, I know who you are. You know who I was. You, listen. I was who I was to the point where people warned Heidi to stay away from me. In other words, you say, what do you mean by that? Well, Heidi, like I said, was born again from birth. (laughs) Oh, I love teasing her about this. I'm going to get in trouble for this. Okay, so I, on the other hand, Got away with stuff that I shouldn't have. Yeah, he <laughs> had developed a testimony. Yeah, I don't recommend doing it the way I did it. I recommend the way Mike did it. He, he did it right. <laughs> There's so many people that, you know, they think, they think well, I don't, just don't have a great testimony. Actually, the greatest testimony is God has kept me. I've been with him through all these years. And I never did what Sean did when he was in the spirit of stupid. But God uses us wherever we're at. Amen? So he took who, come on, he took it away. He took it away. He took it away. Come on, see it. Being taken out of you. Removed. Come on, if I was up here telling you about a surgical procedure where the doctors remove something out of... People have no problem imagining that and like, yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Actually, in the spirit, this makes a lot of sense. Jesus literally, when people come in the spirit and in the... He lifted up out of you disease and put it into himself, and then took it back to hell where it belonged, and left it there. Amen. People say, I don't know if I believe in healing. Then you're not going to like heaven. (laughs) 
There's no sickness there. You do realize that. People say, I don't know. I think God gives sickness. He ain't got none to give. He's not in heaven manufacturing brain tumors. He does not do that. The only thing he has in heaven is new parts for the parts that the devil messed up, and they're perfect. Whoo, I just saw. Okay, anyway. Yeah. You ever done that? <laughs> Get to talking. You see. Okay. <laughs> he took away. Jesus has taken away the believer's sin and sickness by taking them on himself in his substitutionary death. Matthew indicates that even in Galilee, the works Jesus did were related to his atoning work on the cross and to his purpose to defeat sin, sickness, death, and the devil. By introducing the prophecy of Isaiah 53.4, Matthew showed that miracles which Jesus did in his earthly ministry were not mere displays of power, nor were they the result of mere human sympathy, they were done at a terrible cost to him at Calvary. Thus, all the healings Jesus did were in advance of the blessings of the cross. Come on, Jesus violates natural law with spiritual law. You say, what does that mean? He actually... Was the lamb crucified? See, in our mind, we go, oh, how could he be the lamb crucified before the foundation of the world? But at that moment when God, the Holy Ghost, and Jesus were in the conference room of heaven, and Jesus said, how are we going to get him back? And the Father said, how are we going to get him back? And the Holy Ghost said, how are we going to get him back? Not that they didn't know, but the conversation's going on, and Jesus says, I'll go. You, and the conversations, go, well, how, how, you do realize what that's going to take. Yes, but the love that we have compels us. So actually, Jesus prepared your healing before he ever walked the earth. So while he's walking the earth, even though the physical act of the cross and the whipping and the beating and the crown of thorns and all the blood being shed hasn't actually taken place yet, in the spirit it already has, so he just violates the natural order of things and says, cripple, leave. He says, limbs grow out. Come on. He looks at a man with a withered hand and says, Stretch it out. With no care or regard for how it will mess with religious minds and what day he does it on. <laughs> These guys are, you can't, you can't heal. You can't heal on this day. You can't heal on that day. You can't. They never healed on an off day, let alone an on day. <laughs> never let anybody tell you 
what you can or can't do biblically who has no experience in any of it. That's why I find it amusing sometimes. People say, well, you can't do this. You can't, Jesus, you know, they're trying to go around telling everybody what they can and can't do. Come on. And the Lord's saying, fellowship with me. Find out what you can do. Find out what can take place. And when we do that, oh my goodness, the things that we're going to see. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com. 